Welcome back to the History of North America Extra. I'm Mark Vinette. The Maesta Panels, Chapter 2. At 7.56 a.m., Wade's personal assistant appeared in front of his office door wearing a dark shawl draped around her shoulders and holding a practical purse. Good morning, Mr. Wade. Good morning, Jen, reciprocating her habitual greeting while quickly glancing at the digital timepiece on his desk to confirm that, once again, she had consciously clocked in before 8 a.m. Her boss would not really mind if she was occasionally a few minutes late, but he greatly appreciated this part of her work ethos and character. Wade's personal aide, or secretary, as she might once have been called, was a bookishly attractive young woman of 25 named Jenny. Her shoulder-length blonde hair was always meticulously tied in a tight ponytail, exposing her slim, delicate facial traits. She was hired as his executive assistant, the title she insisted on two years earlier, following the completion of her international relations degree at Boston's Wellesley College. It was her first job in the real world and she performed her wide-ranging duties with calm seriousness. Wade appreciated and respected her. Wade's grandfather, who often stopped by the office and liked Jenny, could not understand why the title of secretary was no longer employed and considered passé, pointing out that it seemed good enough for the country's highest diplomat and the UN's elected leader. Oh, Jen, Wade said loudly, as she was no longer in his sightline. Once you get settled in, put everything aside and come join me. I have some urgent research to be done. She responded in the affirmative to the instructions and entered his office moments later holding her computer tablet, ready to work. Jenny Bradford was ambitious and totally devoted to her job and employer. She was pure New England blue bloodstock with a Puritan work ethic to match. She was demanding of others, but especially demanding of herself. Jenny liked working for David Wade and enjoyed working in the Empire State Building. She cherished the memory of the first time she entered the Art Deco landmark and rode the iconic skyscraper's new state-of-the-art elevator to the 64th floor to meet her future boss. During that initial interview, she found him to be polite, professional, and to the point. To her amazement, he offered her the job on the spot, and she accepted with the same impulsiveness. Most workdays were very busy and interesting, including today. It was mid-afternoon when Jenny informed Wade that she was finished compiling the research. Wade thanked her and proceeded to review the results of her efforts via their secure internal office document sharing network. Reading, he learned that the northern Italian city of Siena commissioned Duccio to produce a panel for its cathedral's high altar, a work now known as the Maesta. The completed painting was brought into the cathedral on June 9, 1311. Wade especially enjoyed the description of the event related by a contemporary chronicler. And on that day, when it was brought into the cathedral, all workshops remained closed, and the bishop commanded a great host of devoted priests and monks to file past in solemn procession. This was accompanied by all the high officers of the commune and by all the people. All honorable citizens of Siena surrounded said panel with candles held in their hands, and women and children followed humbly behind. They accompanied the panel amidst the glorious pealing of bells after a solemn procession on the Piazza del Campo into the very cathedral, 
and all this out of reverence for the costly panel. The poor received many alms, and we prayed to the Holy Mother of God, our patron saint, that she might in her infinite mercy preserve this, our city of Siena, from every misfortune, traitor or enemy. Wade also learned that the high altarpiece was painted on both sides and was originally over 16 feet in height and length. It remained on the cathedral's main high altar until 1506 and then was displayed on a different altar in a small side chapel located elsewhere in the church. In 1711, the altarpiece was taken apart in order to be partially displayed on both altars. Unfortunately, this dismantling was the reason for the work's present fragmentary condition. The frame, the lower predelas or pedestal, and the top crowning parts were removed, then sawn into seven sections. The predellas were each painted on a horizontally laid piece of wood and could therefore be dismantled easily. The central panel, 7 by 13 feet, posed a problem. On the front, it consisted of 11 boards arranged vertically, to which five horizontal boards were nailed from the back. The wood was very difficult to separate, having been glued and nailed together. The crude cutting or sawing process severely damaged the painted surface. Wade stopped reading, scrolling to view the various photos of the artwork provided by his meticulous aide. After a moment of reflection, he returned to the text and continued reading. He discovered that the primitive process of dismantling had led to other tragic consequences. Once the whole structure had been broken up, thereby destroying the frame, Several individual scenes found their way to private collections or museums, while others simply went missing. The present-day online image of the entire Maesta was actually a composition reconstructed by art historians. Experts had reunited scattered scenes in a photographic montage, forming an approximate educated guess of how the masterpiece originally looked. Wade ceased reading and rubbed his eyes as he sat back in his custom-made black leather swivel chair. His mind drifted. The first swivel chair was invented by Thomas Jefferson and is purported to be the chair on which he drafted the United States Declaration of Independence in 1776. Wade occasionally recalled this quirky historical fact with pleasure, especially as he enjoyed the feel and comfort of his favorite seat on wheels. Refocusing, he cleared his desk in order to avoid distractions, and he pondered the task at hand. Why was I hired by Martini? Why an attorney? An art historian would have made for a better choice. Was Martini aware of Denari? No one was aware of Denari. 33-year-old David Wade was being modest to himself. He was not just any type of attorney. He was a highly successful international lawyer and an effective investigator. He was also an avid historian and skilled genealogist, having written books and given conferences around the world. But his expertise did not extend to European art. He decided to work around this weakness and rely on his strengths. He resolved to focus on the man, Duccio. He would learn more about Duccio's life and track down any remaining family connections to the famed painter. To accomplish this, he would employ the varied talents of his team. Denari. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you enjoyed the listen. <laughs>